0: Today on Legalese, we are talking about the oral arguments in Moore versus the United States and the 16th Amendment. Hey, greetings, everybody, and welcome back once again to Legalese. As always, I am your host, Bob, and I want to thank you all so much for joining me here today. Now, if you happen to be new to my channel, let me especially welcome you. This is a podcast where we're going to be discussing all things constitutional law, as well as current events in other areas of law, politics, and culture. Now, I just want to remind you guys, to find out more uh, about the show, you should go check out our homepage over at LegalEasePodcast.com. And if you want to stay up to date whenever I put out new content, uh, I do videos on YouTube uh, as well as like an audio only podcast on Spotify. I do uh, articles over on Substack. And if you go to LegallyShow.com and sign up for my newsletter, you will get notifications whenever I post any new content anywhere, wherever it is. All right, so let's just jump right in here. So today, as I said, we are going to be discussing more versus United States. Uh, Now, we discussed this case back in October when it was added to the Supreme Court's roster for this term. Uh, Now, it was just argued before the court on December 5th, 2023. And this is a case about the constitutional limits on Congress's power to tax. Now, look, I realize watching me summarize a two-hour argument about tax policy probably sounds about as interesting as, you know, actually listening to a two-hour discussion on tax policy. But. The reason I chose this case is because it does have profound implications in constitutional law in a few different areas, including the direct tax clauses and the 16th Amendment. And today we will be discussing new insights about this case that can be gleaned from oral arguments. But I first quickly want to turn your guys' attention to the fact that I just published an article uh, yesterday over on Substack with the same name as this video, More Money, More Problems. Now, this video is essentially a stripped-down version of that article, whereas here I am just sticking to a summary of the oral arguments in the case and the conclusions that can be drawn from them. This article covers all of that, along with a comprehensive analysis of the case background as well as a comprehensive look at several possible outcomes in this case. Uh, And if that sounds interesting, and I assure you, even if it doesn't, it really is interesting stuff. Uh, My article will be linked on the show notes page, and I would encourage everyone to uh, go check that out and give that a read as well. So let's just get right down to it here. Uh, We did, of course, briefly uh, cover this case back in October during my fall Supreme Court Roundup, which will also be linked on the show notes page. But let's just quickly refresh everyone's memory here as to what this case is about. So the question presented in the case that the court will be answering is whether the 16th Amendment authorizes Congress to tax unrealized sums without apportionment among the states. And this is a case about a really fundamental part of our tax system. And this is what is known as the so-called realization rule. And what that means is that if I have income and it's appreciated in value, even though it's worth more than I paid for it, I don't pay a tax on those gains until I sell it. And the question is whether Congress does things that way because of a policy choice that they are free to change or revise at their discretion, or do they do it this way because the Constitution requires it? So in other words, when the 16th Amendment says that Congress could tax income was the 16th Amendment saying income means realized income from a sale, or does it merely mean appreciated income from a rising valuation? And that is the question at the heart of Moore v. United States. Now, in 1920, in the case of Eisner v. McComber, which would have just been seven years after the 16th Amendment was ratified, the Supreme Court would hold, that for the purposes of the 16th Amendment income needed to be realized to be taxable. Now, while the court has never overruled their holding in McComber, their subsequent 16th Amendment cases have gradually distanced themselves from applying the realization rule. And what is significant about Moore is that here is the court is being asked to uh, very... uh, Intentionally and specifically reaffirm that idea. And this really is such an important case because a great deal of the US tax system is based upon the unspoken and unproven assumption that realization is not always a constitutional requirement. And the fact is, there are a lot of provisions that would potentially have to be reconsidered or just outright abandoned if the court rules in favor for the petitioner, depending on how broad that ruling is. Now, the reason this issue is coming up now actually goes back to uh, August of 2022, when President Joe Biden as part of budget negotiations, proposed a tax on people with more than $100 million worth of wealth. And the basic idea was that if they had appreciated stock, they'd pay tax on the appreciation even without a sale. Now, this case has also gained wider implications as well because recently Congress has considered uh, taxing so-called unrealized gains of wealthy individuals. Now, this position has become a staple of several leading Democrats, including uh, several in their recent presidential election runs. Uh, And this especially refers to Elizabeth Warren, as well as Bernie Sanders, who both support a wealth tax. And that's not taxing appreciation. It is an annual tax on the value of what we have. It's done kind of like how property taxes are done for homeowners, but the wealth tax would apply to all assets. And the big difference is that it would be levied by the federal government, whereas property taxes are laid by state governments, where the added complexity of apportionment is simply not a requirement on direct taxes. Now, this all raises another obvious question that has been completely overlooked by corporate media Uh, and by uh, politicians, including some of the ones I just named, who have taken an interest in the outcome of this case. And that question is, is this case even a good vehicle to decide those larger issues? Now, for reasons I'm going to explain, I think the answer is an emphatic no. The big thing is that that would require a straightforward case whose only concern is taxing appreciated income without a sale. But this case doesn't quite present that. Now, while I would contend that in this case the petitioners present a much stronger argument, the fact is that any honest appraisal of this case will have to concede that because of the additional complexities of the case, both sides do have some valid legal and historical evidence for their particular arguments. However, something that came out during oral arguments was that the court seems to be leaning towards the conclusion that Congress does not have the power to tax unrealized income while simultaneously leaning towards a more narrow conclusion that would completely sidestep answering the constitutionality of the realization rule altogether. So the key point here is that the taxpayers in this case owned shares in a foreign company organized in India. That company had profits and the petitioner's property, which is the stocks they had appreciated in value. Now, these are stocks that they have held for many years. But because of an international tax reform, Congress said, you know what, we're going to be taxing shareholders on earnings of the company. But here's the rub. The way they're doing it is not a tax on the appreciation of the stock per se. It is actually a tax on the earnings of the company. So if you ask yourself, did someone realize gains here? Well, the answer is yes, the corporation did. The corporation did have a realization of income. And so the real question here in this case is can the realization of the company be attributed to the owner? So, really, it's not necessarily that they are taxing the owner on its appreciation as much as they are taxing the owner on realized gains of the entity that it owns. And that is an entirely different issue. And this is why this case. I believe, is not going to give a good answer to the larger questions about whether unrealized gains can be taxed because Congress said, basically, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to tax these earnings when these companies earn them at a reduced rate. However, they threw in this extra little hitch that, you know, they said, but since we haven't been doing that before, we will have a one-time transition tax on the earnings that haven't been taxed and haven't been brought back. And so the central tax here, called the Mandatory Repatriation Tax, which is also called the MRT uh, in the case of briefings, was imposed on taxpayers. Now, there are really two ways the court can go in deciding this case. One is the question presented, which is, does the 16th Amendment allow Congress to tax unrealized gains? That is, gains from property that haven't been sold yet. Now, this is what I would call the broader issue, and it is possible they could resolve it this way. However, it's much more likely that they're going to go with a narrower issue, which doesn't decide whether the Constitution even requires realization. Now, the issue, they say, is not present here because there were realizations at the corporate level, or at least that's how the government's argument goes. And the company uh, that they have an ownership stake in had realized income. And the question is not whether realization is required, but whether realization can be attributed to an owner. So uh, there was realization, but whose was it is the big question. And furthermore, between these two broad or narrow options, as far as how the case could turn out, we do find additional competing arguments. And so when it comes to the narrow interpretation, what the government is saying is that it is fine for Congress to tax the owners of a business instead of the business itself. And the government claims that that's really all that they are doing here. And that the government uh, has here, what they, are, what they are doing is they are taxing this like a partnership. And this is how they have uh, been taxing partnerships since the beginning of the income tax. And I would say that that is the best argument the government has here, is that they are taxing this the way they would tax a partnership. And the fact is the Supreme Court said decades ago that that was okay. So, in the U.S., when we operate a business through a partnership, partnerships earn money, but they don't pay tax on the money. It is the owners that are taxed on the money the partnership earns. And this is the same thing, basically, the government is asking for this foreign corporation to be taxed as a partnership. Now, the competing argument presented by the petitioners in this case, Charles and Kathleen Moore, Uh, makes such an obvious argument that you would pretty much have to be a bureaucratic government tool to be foolish enough to try and disagree with it. Their argument is that this is a corporation. It's not a partnership. It's a corporation. And this brings us back to the case I mentioned earlier, Eisner v. McComber. Because part of the reasoning in that case was to say yes, Partnerships can be taxed that way, but we do not do that for corporations, because corporations are a real, solid, legal entity, whereas a partnership simply isn't. So, in a partnership, we should just tax a taxpayer on their own realizations, just the owner on what the owner does, not what the corporation does. And so... Uh, Kind of in closing here, uh, just to kind of give you an idea where I think this is going, uh, I believe the court will be ruling on the narrow issue here, and I'm pretty confident they are going to be ruling in favor of the government. Now, that is frustrating because I believe the petitioners uh, in this case are squarely in the right. And the fact is, I actually think that it's probable a majority of the court agree that the petitioners are in the right. So when I say the government will likely win, I'm not even actually saying that the court agrees with the government on the broader issue. But after listening to the oral arguments, I think it's clear that the court wants to kick this can down their own little ways. And the government, uh, through this narrow argument, has offered the court A very solid argument for doing just that. So essentially, it looks like there is a likely majority for the idea that we don't even have to reach to the question of whether realization is constitutionally required. Enough of the justices seem ready to say, well, there was a realization here at the corporate level, and it can be attributed to the owners the same way we allow it with a partnership. And I believe that is exactly what they're going to do. However, assuming that is how this case turns out, I do believe there is one potential bright spot for those of us who do actually think the petitioners have the better part of this case. And I think that it's very likely that we will see concurring opinions filed by uh, definitely Justices Gorsuch and Alito and probably Thomas, and perhaps even Chief Justice Roberts, and that they will clarify that this opinion should not be construed as deciding unrealized income can be taxed. They will essentially say that they await a case that will allow them to properly consider that issue, that they believe there are some serious questions about the validity of such a finding about realization, and that this court is ready to address that in a future case. Well, that is uh, really actually all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I just want to remind you again, if you want to find out more about this case, I have a much more comprehensive version in an article on the Substack page. You can go check it out. Uh, and then if you would take a moment, please, and do all of those things for me that help you trigger Al Gore's rhythm. Uh, you know, if you liked the video, hit like. If you disliked, hit dislike. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you thought about the video. Um, and... Yeah, that's really all I have. And so uh, until next time, this has been Bob uh, for Legalese talking about more v. United States. And of course, as always, Cartago de Lenda Est.